Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Today we're speaking with Dermesh Singh. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Fullcast.io. It's a sales planning and revenue operations platform that rides on top of your CRM systems. In the podcast episode, Dermesh will initially briefly introduce his own journey from way in the beginning to, you know, schooling different corporate gigs at Microsoft at Salesforce, and then the inspiration to start Fullcast. He'll also will be going into a lot of detail about the uh, platform they are building and marketing right now, Fullcast, uh, including what inspired them, what has been successful, what were some of the lessons and learnings along the way, and also what they're planning to do to continue to survive and thrive in the macroeconomic climate that we have today. And towards the end, we'll uh, discuss a bit about what their mission team are doing to balance the personal and the professional to achieve overall happiness and success, uh, as well as growth. So without further ado, uh, let us jump in. Welcome, Dermesh. I'm glad you're able to make time for this. Uh, this is a kind of a new experiment I was describing to you the other day, yeah. uh, a new journey I'm starting which is to, um, you and I, you know, we've been talking probably for the better part of 10 years, I think. That's right. Uh, and so I wanted to um, capture some of these conversations for the benefit of uh, perhaps the next generation. I know we're both losing enough hair <laughs> uh, or, or, or uh, uh, for some entertainment, I suppose. Uh, but again, it's awesome to always speak with you and I'm glad we, we could make the time for this. I was, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's always good to chat, chat with you. Yeah, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, we'll chat for whatever you know length of time we need to make the, the conversation interesting and useful for the audience and for ourselves. Uh, but roughly, we'll start a pr- uh, on the business side, yeah. and then uh, kind of we'll move over to marrying you know business and personal for overall happiness. So, just maybe uh, you know, quick introduction. I know you've been in. An entrepreneur for many many years but before that you were in some large companies and you probably also um, traveled down the well-worn path of uh, indian diaspora that's cool right uh starting out in india and then uh, potentially finishing undergrad yeah with, uh, i think in your case you might have had some moves around india due to uh dad's work yeah that's true i mean i grew up all over in india yeah and so so if you want to just give a quick intro kind of uh, of your journey and how you got to where you are and then we'll probably speak a little bit more around uh, what you're doing and uh, what's interesting and success etc i grew up in india uh like you're saying earlier my father was in the air force so we traveled a lot i growing up i changed schools and probably i changed about 14 schools oh wow change had become constant i used to joke with my friends and some vacations else probably see you and I'll probably not see you next next school year because I, I might be gone. <laughs> uh, and that also don't hate me or love me. Yeah, I won't be around. Exactly. And then it was always this, and probably that made me who I am because I'm very comfortable meeting new people, new places. And I also had itching after some time for you know doing something new. Um, so I did college in India, and uh, I started work in Delhi, but quickly had this opportunity to go to Singapore for a three-month project and I saw an opportunity in Vietnam that was opening at that point in time and so 
proposed to my bosses and they okay we have this opportunity we can do something larger in APAC in Vietnam and uh, it was great I was single Vietnam was a great place it was still opening up uh, and so we started us laying out computer networks in Vietnam and I would shuttle between Singapore and Vietnam for a while till I got married and then that lifestyle became unsustainable sure um, so, so I decided to pick a decent job and I joined Microsoft in Singapore um, so yeah we built uh, that was a good fun ride and, you know I did end up uh, along with one of another friend of mine being the leaders of what we were calling the IBM Compete campaign against Lotus Notes at that point of time I see and building um, Microsoft's knowledge management practice that brought me to New York uh, New Jersey sure and uh, I have again changed this constant so I like decided to move to New York New Jersey and locked up in battle and uh, you know did uh, led with the knowledge management practice there and then found an opportunity to build a practice around healthcare pharmaceuticals within Microsoft so that was another change moment and so I was doing that till I ran into uh, who would be my boss at in Redmond here who said well you know we were complaining about exchange service calls and he said do you want to complain and do you want me to help me fix it and <laughs> I said what do you have in mind and he said we're building something this office in the cloud kind of thing that event was called I will is an information worker for enterprise services it became you know, business productivity online services is this in the arts is this past 2000 or before yeah, it is 2007 oh okay okay quite a bit yeah of course yeah so I 2007 I kind of decided to just I had come here for an EBC to Redmond and I just called my wife and said I decided to take this role over here because somebody they told me you want to help us I said yes so we moved to Seattle and it's been great I did that for 2013 till we mainstream office 365 to office and I went to Salesforce and then very quickly I wanted to say, I was having itch to go do my own thing so four years, as soon as I finished my four years with Salesforce, I was out. I see. Uh, build, build full cast. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah so uh, maybe uh, we can segue into a little bit about what you're doing. You know, what inspired you to kind of start full, uh, full cast, right? And kind of what the vision was, where you saw the issues and where the opportunity was, and then how, you know, you were able to start aligning the planets and the solutions, and the people, resources, etc. try to go after the problem. But uh, kind of what was, was there like a specific trigger or was this something that was brewing for a while and then you're like, okay, this is the right time? Oh, there, were, there were definitely always a sort of trigger and something. I mean, yeah, you, you, I always, always been on the side of building something anyway. So it was always anything, whether it was the knowledge management practice in Singapore, the business in Vietnam, building Office 365, all those like, hey, let's go build something. And uh, when I joined Salesforce, I was, I'd done business planning in Office 365 team and had a few engineering teams. But when I went to Salesforce, um, we saw the process and, and the process was still very Excel driven to do this annual planning cycle, you know, starts in August. Uh, goes all the way. So we, I joined in February 2013, and the first thing Bala, who's now my partner, told me was, "Don't touch anything." I'm like, what does that mean? He says, "No, we have an IT freeze. We're still rolling out territories and quotas, and so we can't really mess around with Salesforce instance." I'm like, "Shouldn't we have given territories and quotas already? We already started the fiscal year." I said, "No, we. This is a process. It's going to take some time. It's uh, all Excel driven, and so we think they're still not settled." 
And so I was like, we had we started having discussion around the legal compliance because if you're a salesperson starting up a career, legally you're supposed to get in the quota, and their territory they can sue you if they don't have their territory in quota because it's part of the compensation. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, most people don't think of it because they're yeah, you know, we just deal with the sales. We we'll, we'll give them the territory in quota, but yeah, makes if sense. If there's a disgruntled person, he legally can go after you because you're impacting his comp. What if he doesn't make his quota, right? Um, so he didn't. He doesn't have a number. So we looked, started figuring out what the problems were, and we saw that I think Bala was dealing with 1,500 spreadsheets across 400 managers, uh, moving back and forth, all everything being done manually. And I told him, I said, "This has got to be a better way of doing this stuff." Just to interject, I mean, it's interesting that of all the places, Salesforce yeah. is where this was going on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you would think that Salesforce would have figured this out, but Salesforce was, uh, you know, was growing and. It, Things were like all over the place. Everything was Excel driven, and the, and the interesting piece was uh, the strategy is always set by people who are done MBAs. They've never actually taken a quota. Right? So they can come in the fancy thing and Ivory Tower. You can come up with the territory plan, your quota, and how you're going to go to market and all those things. But when the plan hits the the road, which is the sales guys, they're all up in the arms. They're like, "Who made this plan? I don't agree with this plan. I, I don't agree with my number. You never sold it. You, you don't know what's what's going on in my account." And there's just this. Angst going on, and those two worlds are very different. And so we looked at solutions, and we said, "This got to be a better way of doing this thing." There's the economic costs to the businesses, right? Because that's when, you, if you're a salesperson, uh, the two things you care about is how fast do the territories, and is my quota right? How did my quota move from one million to one point five all of a sudden this year? Right? I just have just sold a large deal, and uh, mm. those triggers become the number one driver for sales people to say, "Adios." They're going off someplace else, and now think about the cost of replacing a fully ramped salesperson. Right, you got to go find a new person. It takes time to find the person. You have to allow them to ramp up. It's almost a million dollars to replace a fully ramped account executive. Enterprise account executive. Yeah, exactly. If you say if you're you selling any hundred k deals and all, right, it's it's a given. Right, they, and they're it takes time. So we looked at options, and there was, there was nothing available. There was a platform called Anaplan, which was extremely cumbersome. And we said, "There's got to be a better way." And by that time, Bala and I were spending some time with each other. Or I kind of knew Bala at Microsoft as well, so that was there was some. What is Bala's background? Is he a techie or a business? He's a like- he's an architect. So Bala and my paths are they cross paths. Right? He was an architect on Office three sixty five team. Got it. Okay. He went, he went into sales, was running, started running the sales strategy side of the house. So we had crossed over. So we both had a good mix of understanding of the business. I said, "Wow, this is going to be better for business." And then I started noodling something in my head and what to do. Uh, but the problem was, Bala was in San Francisco. I had refused to move to San Francisco. I was in Seattle, and it was important for him to move back. So I told him, "I said, we'll wait till the right time." And when he moved back, that's when we started forecast really to streamline these two worlds. Um, we're really essentially building a platform that doesn't exist. Right, so you have the marketing automation platforms like Marketo and Lacqua. You will have uh, CRM systems. You'll have outreach. But after that, just Excel spreadsheets and elbow grease. There is no platform for go-to-market planning that not only allows you to plan but keep the plan in sync with all the things that are happening in the field. Because sales is all very dynamic. And, not, and when I say sales, I'm talking the go-to-market, right? Which means sales yes. and the customer success team, and if you have a renewals team. People are always changing roles. People get promoted, and all that change needs to be in sync with your plan. Nothing actually gets done, right? So for us, that was what we ended up 
solving today. So you started in 17, 16? Yeah, yeah 2 2017 is when it started. Okay. And we've been at it, uh, you know, um, learning everything about how what it takes to build a business. <laughs> sure, sure. And um, did you or Bala before that time carry a quota ever? I have carried quota. Okay. Right, but... but uh, my quota was up in a very small quota. I was I've never been a direct salesperson. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Yep. Uh, but I've been in consulting and all those things. So I mean, my own quota was not a sales quota per se. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so when you were explaining this to your friends and family when you were embark- embarking on the journey, and partly also for the benefit of our audience, uh, just a quick summary, maybe elevator pitch or one or two sentence summary uh, of the offering. Yeah. So you mentioned the the kind of the sales planning problem, right? Yeah. Um, so what what is the the solution? So the solution is to really build out a platform that allows teams to build a go to market plan and keep it in sync with all the changes in the field. So build a platform Got it. that allows them to plan and operate the plan uh, together, right? And what we believe is that if teams are able to optimize this exercise, then they can generate at least two to 10% expeditional revenue without doing anything, without hiring new salespeople, without doing anything, just getting more productivity per person. I see. Right. So now think about if, if you're if you a $100 million business and I just told you that, hey, you don't need to hire more people. I'll give you an additional $20 million in, revenues. in ARR with your existing thing, right? Yep. And so we solve um, the problem that is of the status quo. Got it. The status quo for most businesses is expensive. Status quo is People, reps are complaining about unfair territories, unfair quotas, which means they will leave. You have a higher rep attrition mm-hmm. in general. You take too long to ramp reps, right? So like if someone takes uh, enterprise sales cycles nine months and it takes you, it's nine months out of it, four, four weeks, the person is sitting after he gets hired to get a territory or quota. If I could bring that four weeks down to zero, I've given you a month back. Makes sense. Which means, you know, I've got that nine month ramp cycle almost to eight months. Now multiply with the 100 or 200 salespeople that you have, right? Mm. And then overall, basically, uh, our goal has been and uh, what we've seen with the platform is we've reduced the cost of sales. We increase attainment rate. Average industry attainment rate is 52%. Our customers are getting about 60%. Wow. Okay. Right. Which means you literally have to hire less, less people to do the same thing. And then most importantly, it's just driving the alignment as across the sales the sales and customer success and renewals. In terms of the applicability uh, around segments or domains or customer size, etc. Yeah. Um, so you're, what, what's the sweet spot client segment you're going after? So we have to go, for us customers that have about 100 sales reps or higher, or another way to think about it is 100 million in ARR. Uh, or high, or higher, that makes sense for something like this. And we've got some customers who are much smaller, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel when the smaller place, they have less complexity. Like if you have a 20 rep sales rep team, you have a large enough market that the sensitivity around what my territory or my quota is, is very less. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're not stepping over each other too much. Yeah, and the VP of sales can in his head say, hey, you know, as I'm dividing the country, go, go figure it out. Yep. It's when the pie become pie is the same and you're hiring more sales. Well, then the sensitivity is higher. Like, hey, I started at 50 reps. You told me my OTE is 200, going to be 250. And he gave me a territory. 
and now i see you hired another 50 more people and you're giving them the territories which you recover from my patch sure, sure, how sure. does that impact my number yep, yep. like will i make my number why did you take those accounts right so it gets more sensitive so for it. us okay. the scale scale part is important okay okay uh, we don't care about domain uh, sales everybody does so sales uh, in fact you know we're starting in tech but for us insurance finance retail uh you know those are the large sales sales logs so when you started um on on the um when you started this effort and you know now it's been like 7 years or so yeah 6 7 years uh, but initially in the first one or two years etc when you were starting what were some of the biggest gotchas or kind of surprises right and um whether it was on the product side you know client side Uh, resourcing teams, you know, funding, etc. Maybe you have some in every one of those. Oh, there's, there's surprises all along. Like so, for example, uh, I was told before joining and starting a company, you should get a letter of intent signed from people to show that people are interested in this problem. And there is a problem, and it's not a problem that just exists in my head. So we did that. We put together a couple of letter of intent. It means nothing. <laughs> you <laughs> realize we took those letter of intents and we said let's go solve the problem right we will build it and 6 months later when we solved came back the person said oh i don't feel the problem anymore wow it's done okay right uh but it also gave us a time to pause like okay, why did why does the person feel this way right and so there's a combination of things when letter of intents are non binding so there is definitely i just signed it on a phone some from uh, that's the way to get rid uh, of you that all the time <laughs> exactly exactly we really didn't realize that they were like politely yeah i'll just sign it you know what the second aspect was we realized that planning alone is just probably a one time thing people think of it and they get caught into the the daily business what's my plan problem of the day to day right and so for us it, it that became a product extension that's when he said no it, it's not just about planning it's about building the plan and making it operationalizing it and keeping it in sync right so that was a way for us to sort of start thinking uh the other part was also how we how would we fund it and so we had a lot of things in our head and what we knew from the get go is we are not building a feature got it this is a platform and by definition platforms need to be thought through end to end because it's like laying in the architecture you can't go and undo stuff after the fact it's just too expensive of course yeah and uh, the with the letter of intent exercise had also told us that don't build anything that people are not going to put money on so we were like okay we will we use services as a way to filter what people want to pay for so we created go ahead right so we, yeah so we would just do we ran our offering mostly as a services offer not okay. a product offer I and we said these are problems we can solve and what i was testing over there was which problems of these three problems that i'm going after are people willing to pay for so whatever they are willing to pay for we will productize that issue in the platform first mm. right otherwise i might think of let's go solve uh you know a problem that tells you on uh you, you know how to streamline go to market they know they 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 care more about routing at that point like okay like can we fix that issue and that's that's how we kind of built out the platform so it took us a time to took us about a year to sort of figure out all the different use cases we we knew the use cases it's the priority order it's a prioritization prioritization of the use cases so 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 if you had to prioritize before that like would you have gotten it right or how close would you have been oh, i don't even know we were, we were going in a half right okay i see right no matter no matter how much you know your customers who are actually paying you going to pay you they will tell you now the challenge is 
you can't respect you respond to every customer almost sure because uh, that's when you start up creating bespoke systems that don't scale and you need a large services company if you want to platform create a platform then you have to sort of take the lowest common denominator and and have a viable product and build it up so it was about so the lens that i had was which use cases are being asked and then how often frequency wise so you can have those two things together to say okay we this is being asked this is top off it's been asked 10 times uh, sometimes they'll ask something and we just ignore it and we might see that after two times they're not asking about it so it's no longer an issue when you describe uh, it being a platform right oftentimes uh, the definition of a platform entails some way for third party partners to engage yeah right so how do is that part of this platform and what are those mechanisms or means so there are two ways to think of a platform right one is the classic we ended up becoming a platform because third party people took dependency on us and we built on top of it that's one way of looking at it the other way is there are functionalities that need to get built and put together and each functionality builds on itself okay right and so today as a startup we have control over the second part which is we are building a platform which has got multiple layers of functionality and each functionality builds upon itself at the same time we need to create an open api where third party people can build on top of it but right? we are not there yet we have apis okay. but we are still a startup right and so we have to sort of build that mind share in the market like we have an app marketplace right so it's still very early days where uh, if you're a compensation expert and you might have a compensation policy and right? you write that into thing so then it becomes an organic marketplace that's platform that allows others as well to come in today we don't we we do i mean people technically people can do it but from a marketing perspective we've not really gone after that market yet got it got it okay as you look at kind of growth uh in into the next phase or kind of next 10x growth etc right what is the mix do you see between partnerships or channels versus say direct and uh, i'm not sure how big your own direct team is today our direct team is very small uh, that's a piece that we kind of going to invest more you you know in fundraising more and doing other things right now to go build it uh, partnerships definitely are excellent mm-hmm. uh, we will see partnerships play a part in accelerating i think the timing of it is super important uh, my experience working on partnerships when i was in a large company is it's easy to sign partnerships it's very hard to execute on the partnerships because at the end of the day partnerships get delivered in the field which means there needs to be a win win for both sides to make money of course right in our case uh because we built a platform that's no code one aspect is um, what's the what's the value for an si yeah for example right uh we have to think about that there are sales strategy partners Mm-hmm. whom we were looking to work with for them the value is we can help them scale they get an individual sales strategy person who could probably just because you're doing all the stuff manually you can support only one customer or if you have full cash you can support 10 customers right and so definitely the sales strategy uh, as marketplace development those are place but still very early days i think it's a the way i think what it is always a push and a pull right and i'm actually seeing some of the part like we've got some other platform companies or tool companies reaching out to us for partnership because our customers are asking them to work with us. Mm, okay. They are telling us, "Hey, we get all this data from Fullcast. You guys should figure out a way to work with them and get the data into your system so that you can do all these things." And so what are the the uh, kind of the categories of these players? Uh, what kind of so- solution? Compensation management, 
so it's a compensation calculation engines okay uh there are financial pieces yep. right budgeting budgeting applications sales enablement tools uh right and so enablement tool because enablement needs data who's ramped who's ramping and where they are in the ramp profile we have that data right so there are there are a bunch of other players right that we will like we'll be working with some hr and uh, systems so that uh, we can we can pass through api so there there is the api play and there is definitely the uh, just the si sales strategy partnership uh, let play excellent uh shifting gears a little bit uh, in terms of uh, kind of what's happening currently right in the macroeconomic uh, climate yeah so obviously you know geopolitically you, ukraine's happened uh, going on a year and a quarter yeah uh the post pandemic hangover on the finance interest rate side is hitting us yeah right then on the tech front you know ml ai conversational whatever your favorite bard chat gpt all those things are out there and and they're taking up a lot of mind share uh, probably uh, rightfully as far as you know people figuring out what does what do these things actually mean for my business for my teams my suppliers customers even competitors etc but taking one thing at a time uh with regards to say the the economic conditions right uh, so we're raising money is harder than it was, you know, 18 months ago. Borrowing money is harder than it was 18 months ago. It's certainly more expensive than it was 18 months ago. Uh certain types of customers are harder to sign up than they were 18 months ago. Maybe on the hiring front it's easier to hire people, certain kinds of people than they were 18 months ago, but uh you know, some of those people are still hard to find and hire. Yeah. So when you look out as you're kind of tackling the highest priority challenges of the business, given the current conditions in the macro economy what what are you aiming for what are the challenges you're um targeting to solve and um what are your new tactics or current tactics to go after i'm not sure if you're you know potentially looking at fundraising but of course every business is looking at growth and potentially you know adding headcount or uh debt financing etc yeah i think so fundraising definitely is a priority to make sure that, uh, uh, we have funds to grow the way i think about it is there is stuff that's out of our control uh, there is stuff that's in our control out of our control i don't really get it so like ukraine and all this interest rates yeah i read it i'm looking at it i'm like what can we do about it nothing <laughs> so uh, we have to deal with it um, yeah it, it it has effects we don't have control yeah it has, we have we have to deal with it and so what we have under our control is continued customer acquisition right even from, from a fundraising perspective i can spend a lot of time going doing fundraising but reality is the best proof is getting customers mm. keep getting your customers keep your customers uh happy keep them renewed and i think fundraising will become easier in that case sure right and so that lens as a team is like let's just focus on the customers and uh, let's try to close deals now yes on the customer side this they also feel these pressures so every customer will tell you they don't have budget or budgets are locked or budgets are tight and that's a piece that we got to sort of work with them right um, do we change terms do we do we get you know how do we agree on terms and like what are the gives and gets every customer is unique that's part of enterprise sales uh, cycles yeah. uh, but the focus there is even before you do the gives and gets is really establishing value with them mm-hmm. what can we do that will drive value and if the value is established and then we look at 
other aspects so you know so the goal for us is we know what what we know we know deal cycles will get a little longer people need need to get creative with closing the deals mm-hmm. so those two are under our control and we say we got to work on it other than that i think it's more on our message and our, how does our message resonate in this environment which which that's what so far it is because now when the when companies when the going was good people would just hire more people <laughs> now right now when the going times are hard people you can't hire more people and so you have to look at automation as a way to sort of bridge the gap got it so working to our advantage but now even for that automation you got to find it so that's the name of our, our sales team that's what we got to do i see so sounds like a, uh, in summary focusing on the fundamentals right see the, the i used to i had an opportunity to work with a ceo who grew up you know in pre vc times right uh, probably his heyday would have been you know 50 years ago yeah and he, at that time uh, his name was al al hinson he actually yeah. you know, also happened to be the chairman of f5 networks for a good chunk of time over 10 years yeah. and he he he's like you know the fundamentals never change market conditions macro conditions keep changing yeah. the best um way to finance your company is customer dollars customer dollars as long as you focus on the customers things will be fine and you have to acknowledge with with the customers as well that even our customers with the best interest sure. they might want to do something they don't know budget so we got to figure out a way to work with them and get it over mm-hmm. because it's it's an interest their interest and our interest but focus on the customers i have known even during the heydays right when 2021 2020 i had some friends who were running companies where they raised a lot of money but they're so busy raising money they never got a product out the mm. door because <laughs> that's all they were doing they were raising money and then the branding and the hiring but the product never got built and they had to shut it down they're all working back in companies no value but they, i think they listened her heart learned i don't like we for us from day zero i always used to say tell my team you have two choices venture money is like product it's not an only but it's like cocaine you get an instant honey sure or you can get a mother's milk which is going to be slow but like let's focus on customers and that's been generally how our team is and i'm thankful that my entire team buys into that vision i see i see makes sense do you are you able to give us an idea about the makeup of the team uh geography maybe the seniority levels uh disciplines etc yeah standard uh we got engineering customer success you know support uh, sales marketing big dispersed uh pitching boston san francisco seattle india seniority wise i mean i would say there are few junior people who come out maybe 3 4 years working experience all the way to people who worked for the last 20 years so we got different uh different uh, strength i think the common theme among, among the team itself is uh is the cultural values that we've kind of all have generally and and that's something that that's not negotiable so which generally because by hiring lens customer success all the way my team in india there will be up even at this time helping customers mm-hmm. right uh, right now it's like what 2 a.m in india they'll be there yeah right uh, uh, well now right? it's 2:30 but they 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 yeah they they'll be there if if a need comes nobody needs to be told what to do they all kind of do the right thing mm-hmm. which has allowed us to have a very lean or dispersed team and i think part of it is how we orchestrated our decision making internally we always focus on the values and those values drive the decision making generally as long as you stay to those values i have had no issues when you're when you're 
courting candidates or employees to be. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I can almost uh, speculate what the value proposition would be. Yeah. But uh, transparent culture, worthwhile mission. Yeah. Right. Focusing on the fundamentals, not going after uh, cocaine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We are, we are like for conservative. Us, for us, it is like people who um, trust is a super important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very transparent. I think we have we had an oddball interview culture. We still think we can get away with it. Uh, I'm not sure how long. We would ask people to stay and spend time with us, and we would just say, spend a day with us. Mm-hmm. Right. Feel free to talk to anybody in the company. Mm. And anybody in the company can can talk to you as well. So yes, I see. I might have three people on the interview panel, but if we talk to other other people, another person, somebody else wants to talk to, feel free. Because the idea here is that if you're going to spend eight, ten hours, twelve hours working with us, you better enjoy yes your job, which means you should, you need to know everything. Um, but also, I think in my mind, when you speak to multiple people about the vision and the mission, and you hear different things, that's a red Sure. So I encourage people to go talk to different people how what they think of the company. Uh, why are they here? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think we've got great tenure on the team, and I think large part of it is uh, it's been it's been a self-selecting crowd. I see, I see. So we have a little bit more time left, and uh, as I was mentioning in the beginning, yeah. kind of shifting towards a little bit of, of personal or holistic happiness, if you will. Yeah. Right. So obviously, I've been through multiple startups, and those of us that have, that have been through startups, uh, they're fairly consuming beasts. Right, so it definitely has to be a labor of love, yeah. And um, the you know the financial and rewards uh, come in kind of lumps and in unpredictable intervals sometimes. If they do, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And so, kind of how have you balanced your life, yourself, your family, your health, and uh, uh, how does uh, potentially the startup life? Uh, how does the startup life? enhance your overall life and then vice versa right and i understand you know you've got uh daughters who are i think they're grown-ups now if i remember right and um uh, so you don't have any young ones now but at some point they would have been younger right and maybe a little bit more dependent on some logistical support etc yeah and uh so i think you get the idea so kind of how has the balance worked out for you startups are lifestyle choice you, it's a lifestyle choice. It doesn't just impact you, it impacts everybody around you. I would not be able to do this without my family, uh, my wife. In fact, my daughters are the motivation for me to do this. When I, I remember my wife, my wife was out of the house. I was debating, should I, should I not? Both my girls, they were still in school, um, in high, just just in high school, yeah. And they told me, Dad, you got to follow your dreams just like it is. And I looked at that that night and said, okay, well, you know, I can't keep telling them to go, yeah, you girls, you're growing, you can do whatever you want, follow your dreams, but I'm afraid. Uh, it's a... I can smoke, you don't smoke. <laughs> yeah. So next morning we had the conversation and they and they have been very supportive. Like sometimes my wife would get them, you know, shifts, you know, start up with my daughter and mom, just, just leave them alone. Um, but it also tells, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, I used to mentor companies Mm-hmm. Before I started, I started, and then you realize the difference. It's like at that point of time, it's like I will teach you swimming because I have read the book. Of course, versus I have actually swum, and uh, that's been always interesting. Is now that even I did sales and strategy, you know, when you're in it yourself, it's very different. So it's been a very it's a learning exercise for me myself. I've, I think I've grown and become a different person. Um, it's also um, been an exercise in me in. Cutting out what was not necessary. 
part of my life. I think that even in my social circles and stuff, I've intentionally chosen to cut mm. things that would distract, would I, would, that I would consider a distraction at this stage in what, what I want to do. I choose to spend more time with my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner is one of my best friends. Uh, unlike most people who say, you know, founder conference, now, I share everything. We share it, both of us. I wouldn't say it's more one way. We both share everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we share as a lot with our team as well. Uh, right and i think uh, both of sometimes I've, you know our updates and downdays and we have a, we, we talk to our team hey you know it's a startup it's not it's a marathon so the candidate would hey today i'm just going to take the day off and just feel like i'm hitting the wall yeah it's okay sure sure it's okay to say that mm-hmm. right i'll be surprised if you're not hitting the wall some days mm. and it's important to give create that environment within the company you would say that and uh, and say you know what I, I know, just take the day off, whatever you need to do. So I think, yeah, overall, without family, I could do better on my health. That's just on me. I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I find another email and I go with the complaint that my team has this termination. We text you at 3 a.m., you're there. 2 a.m., you're there. Like, you're always there. And it's part of my life. I need a lot to disengage. Mm. Uh, right? I don't think, I think Bala does a much better job than I do. Uh, yeah, actually, so he takes. So he's 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 going to he's going to the, the Amazon to Alaska. He's gone to some other cool places. And I take I, I take a look at his pictures. I'm like, you, you it's it's a cool stuff. You've been able to disconnect. I I can't, and that's probably I need to sort of get better at it. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard uh, other friends and fellow entrepreneurs, uh, and some of the, sometimes people who are leading um, consequential efforts in large companies, and not necessarily leading the entrepreneurial journey, one of the things they've mentioned uh, with regards to this particular topic, especially focusing on your health and kind of your core self, is that uh, it's a, it, it, and I'm not saying you're implying this, but it, it, it can be a false dichotomy uh, that one takes away from the other. Yeah, it doesn't. They're all linked. And I think uh, and so, so I, I've always been spiritual, but since I went to the startup part, I've actually become more spiritual, I would say. Mm. It's become a, it's a part of me where there are, uh, that, you know, it may not sound rational coming from a person who's like, I'm extremely pragmatic, but I always believe that there are, there's a higher force at work. And as long as I do and we do the right thing, the right things will happen. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Um, I think meditation has become a part of my life that I enjoy. But I, yes, I definitely do believe that a lot of things that that someone might say, hey, we did it, it happened. Nothing is coincidence. There's always something that happens with design. I see. I see. Yeah. The, 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 so maybe you're you're doing more than you might admit to yourself as far as <laughs> taking care of yourself. Yeah, I do. I mean, for me, that, that, that part, yeah. Yeah. Med- meditating is good. I go for my walks. I do a little thing, but I can't. Sure, sure. Like if somebody would say, you know, do I carve an hour or two hours just to disconnect and go help or like, oh, take vacations? I probably don't. I find that uh, sometimes it, the, you know, the phase of the family also, like when your kids are in middle school or high school, then there's a natural rhythm. They have certain summers are off yeah. and there's two or three weeks off at Christmas. And then if you have any anything you're thinking about, you kind of have to squeeze it in into those. And so, you know, in a sense, it forces the 
office people, which are the parents typically, I agree of the family into certain rhythms, right? And then, but once once the kids are gone, like my daughters are working now and they're gone, so I find out about a spring break when I take my dog for a walk and I see the sign on the school that says, "Oh, there's a spring break going." And no wonder <laughs> things are quiet. Like I have no idea. Yeah, and I have to sort of force myself. And I think part of it is also. Just the environment. Uh, we are a small, small startup. We've not done crazy level of funding, and I'm pretty sure that it comes its own set of challenges. But we've had COVID. We've gone through this war. We've gone through all the economic issues, and I just feel that you know, just when we things are stabilizing, I think I could take a week because something else hits it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go back. Uh, so hopefully, it'll, <laughs> there'll be clear sailing days. But uh, sure. I'm, I'm enjoying it. That's one, one, like one of the things I've really found out is mm-hmm. I've got a great set of investors. I love all my investors. They're all additive value. It's more than just pure money. And and what is the mix of like uh, angels or individual types versus institutions that are participating so far? Largely, it's institutions. Okay. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Probably eighty to ninety percent in institution. Okay. okay. Yeah, we started as a small round with two friends and families, and there were friends who trusted me, but then the rest after that is all institutional. I see. That's actually impressive. Uh, you know uh, that they're able to be as active or and as uh, valuable as your your. No, my, my investors they current, are because current set of investors are, are awesome. Yeah. Sometimes the individual investors have more. You know, they they sometimes may be less disciplined or less demanding in some ways. But the institutional investors, right? They typically they have to run a program, right? And so it's great that even they are able to be. So it, I think it's a question of like uh, I think it's kind of, it comes from a humility perspective. I will say most both my board members were in, were investors and my independent board member. They've all. Been practical. They've been entrepreneurs at some point. Some point themselves. Oh, okay. There's a lot of humility of what the, we know, what we don't know. Mm, okay. There's a lot of feedback we go, and I tap into them. Like there's also that I should have. I'm like I want to think about pricing and licensing. I'll text them and say, "Is there anybody in the network that you know that who can help me think through this?" Mm, I see. So it's it's a, it's a it's a mutual thing. And it's also being honest. I think uh, we're, we're. I think as a board, we're extremely honest with each other. Awesome. I think. Uh, just like with the co-founders, right? Yeah. If the relationship with the investors uh, who are significant stakeholders, right, in the in the success of the beast or yeah. in the consequences of the startup, uh, if you have um, you know good chemistry yeah. and uh, good empathy and respect, right, between the investors and the founders, I think what you what you just said is the is the key point. What you just said is key point. The investor founder relationship, if we treat it as a parent. Couples relationship, taking care of a kid together. We have a joint stake in making sure a kid is doing well. Mm-hmm. Then it works. There are certain investors, and it happens actually. I would say in a seed stage, in a small earlier stage, where investors just making bets across hundreds of them. Yep. So they might have about a hundred kids, like two die, three die. I don't really care. Right. So there, there's a less commitment in mm-hmm. that side with you because you think yeah, I'm a single parent, literally, and my spouse is missing. Right, of a partner's missing in this case, right? Uh, or or working against you, correct? Right. If you have right. it wrong, so so then then it then it's a problem, and which I've had that experience as well. Sure. Like, oh, if, if you die, we don't really care. I'm like, really? <laughs> but uh, no, I can't say that with my current set of people. No, it's awesome. It's great too. Um, I know we're close to the end of our time here, so we've covered a lot of ground. 
we you know started from your journey as a person or as a kid back home in india and moved around and then uh, you know, schooling asia i guess new york then seattle and so on and then uh, different companies your startup journey and then kind of your your uh, holistic views or approach to holistic life um but uh, so and you've been very generous with your time uh, oh, thank you this is good certainly actually. now but also you know in the past so i appreciate that uh, if there's anything else you'd like to you know convey perhaps a, a nugget of uh, advice wisdom suggestion etc for maybe some of the junior people that might be listening uh, or fellow entrepreneurs uh, with regards to empathy and how to keep your energy up while you're fighting the battle yeah i think uh, it comes down to only one simple thing you know you have to be who you are you can't be somebody else you read you see about that ceo of this company and that everybody has their own journey your company will go through the same stage as somebody else yeah you, but some you might like it's like a person's life right you're born some could die in 2 years some could die in 10 years some could die reach well into adulthood but they all have to go through the same stages if they have to go through that that's it and you will be going through the same stage you you you'll learn the only people who will be really around you is your team take care of the people really treat them the way you want to be treated right like my simple thing is be who you are uh, don't try to be someone else and understand the lifestyle thing you can't fake it if you fake it it's hard uh, you know be authentic with, with who you are and that's when you start face, facing what are you good at what are you not good at and sometimes you know a lot of people think i'm the ceo or i'm the leader i need to be, need to be good at everything no you don't mm. i actually probably am the numbers guy on my team mm-hmm. right i got everybody on me is smart <laughs> all i do is I, I, i just tell them you know what hey tell me what can i do for you that you don't want to do i'll do it i see right and that seems to work yeah this last part i'm loving because i think i have hope now <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, i'm like you know just tell me what i'll just want you to do whatever you want to do what unlocks you i'll, I'll take care of that makes sense makes sense right? and, um, i don't know thing like carry carry the class out of the office and done everything So it's fine. I think that's a that's a very good uh you know reminder or suggestion, right? We've all heard this before, but be yourself and then uh then work with the team, uh family as well as your professional team to kind of uh, as a unit, right? It's 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 one you 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 and you, you know build a company a company alone and you know the credit for building a company into one person is is perfect. It's no good. It's no one person. Absolutely. Well, that's a wonderful note yeah. to leave on. Yeah. Again, Dharmesh, thank you. Thank you.